Welcome to Faith Fondue, a new podcast featuring me, author and speaker Haley D. Maria, and teacher and blogger Ann Strickers. Faith Fondue will feature a melting pot of topics ignited by a flame, our faith, and guided by the Holy Spirit. Each week we will feature a theme, and the theme for this week's episode is baptism. And it was a hard week for our country. And uh, we've always talked about not being a political podcast. Uh, We are equal opportunity prayers. And right now we need to pray for our country. Many people are angry and we need to pray for peace and healing. Our country needs a baptism. We need a rebirth, a rebirth from hatred, violence, and division. And as we begin this podcast, may we keep our country at the heart of our prayers this week. Anne, welcome to episode eight. Thank you, Haley. This is the week of January 10, 2021. Thank you for acknowledging those events, Haley. And uh, yeah, prayer is so essential. Maybe that's a resolution that people have for 2021 to pray more, find time for silence, right? Be with the word of God. Um, And to listen. Yeah, absolutely. They go hand in hand. And um, I've talked about my resolution, which was 21 for 2021. And that's 21 moments. It's not moments. That would be nice. 21 minutes of sustained silent reading. Remember that SSR in grade school? Sustained silent reading. Yes. And so I've been able to do that. Um, I do go back to work this week. We'll see how that, that works. But I am reading Pilgrimage. My Search for the Real Pope Francis. The author is Mark Shriver. Mark Shriver is the uh, son of Sergeant and Eunice Shriver. Eunice Shriver is uh, President Kennedy's sister. Many people know about the Shrivers. Tim Shriver, his brother, I think there's five kids. He, uh, well, Eunice started Special Olympics. And um, I think she, they had a sis- she had a sister, right, with special needs. And Tim has really kind of championed uh, Special Olympics. Um, Mark is a very talented writer. I've enjoyed his book so much. And um, the way he really connects like his experience of growing up a Catholic and being in the church, right? And then this new uh, leader of the Catholic church, uh, Jorge Mario Bergoglio, who's known as Pope Francis. And he does that by going on a pilgrimage. He goes to the very places that shaped uh, Pope Francis. I guess people from Buenos Aires are known as Porteños. But it talks about like his background, like his parents who immigrated from Italy to Argentina, a place I would very much like to visit. And, you know, the neighborhood where he grew up, the schools he attended, um, this one place, you know, people know it as his exile, Cordoba. And um, it's just been really quite meaningful to read about this pilgrimage. And I'm not done with it in my, but in my 21 minutes, I'll, I'll let our readers know how long it takes me to get through this book. Um, but two thoughts came to mind. Number one is just pilgrimage is such a treasure in the spiritual life. You know, when you are a pilgrim, you are a seeker, right? You set out on something in search of something. And he definitely is a seeker. He wants to know this man from the Southern hemisphere. He, you know, and it is different when you go to a place and you, and you see where they walked and the, and the very spaces that formed him. And he talks to his former teachers and these elderly sisters that may have taught, you know, Pope Francis as a child and knew him and, you know, the everyday people that were part of his life. And uh, Haley, it's been really fun this past week. I know two years ago, you were on a pilgrimage 
and celebrating some of the images from your time in um, at Mount Kilimanjaro. And I was wondering, you know, what were you seeking maybe when you were on pilgrimage? So, Anne, I have to, I, I, I've been saying it for the last few days as all these memories keep popping up on social media. Um, you know, climbing Mount Kilimanjaro was, was really one of the most amazing experiences of, of my life. And it came about because um, of a, a Holy Cross priest, uh, Father David, who is from Tanzania. And I met him when I was on the, the Notre Dame Trail pil- pilgrimage. So that was really how it started. I did that pilgrimage in, in August of 2017. And that was 320 miles that we walked. And I remember at the time, Father David said, well, if you can walk 320 miles on the ND Trail, you can hike Kilimanjaro. So we said, we all thought, okay, let's do that. And um, I didn't really think anything would come about it, but he, it did. And so you're right. Two years ago, we embarked on really uh, an amazing pilgrimage. And it started, as I mentioned in reference last week, at a convent um, in the foothills of Kilimanjaro, where we celebrated Epiphany with, with the sisters who lived at the convent there and attended Mass in Swahili. And and then after hiking, we we visited several parishes in Tanzania. And, um, you know, I one of the things I love about the Catholic Church is how universal it is. And, you know, the mass that they're celebrating in the in these very unique Catholic parishes in Tanzania is the same service that we're celebrating, you know, here in Maryland or where you are in California or really anywhere around the country. And you know, we got to visit the actual spot where Father David was ordained a priest. And it was a a, a wooden stable-like structure that had been built, you know, 10 years prior just for his ordination because they hadn't had a priest from that parish um, ordained in so many years. And there, there's something really um, beautiful about, you're right, walking in the steps that someone else has walked in a meaningful way. And, you know, there's also something very um, beautiful about just stripping everything away. You know, when we were on the mountain, I had um, no cell service and we had no access to internet. And, um, you know, I really knew nothing that was going on in the world, which, you know, right now might be kind of nice. But, um, it, it, it's a privilege to walk with someone else on their journey. It's, it's, it's it's something I would love to do again. Not only would I love to go back to Kilimanjaro, but um, I'd love to incorporate more pilgrimages pilgrimages in my life. Um, I'm really hoping to to walk the Camino someday. Um, so I, I could talk about that forever, and I love hearing about this book because I think that's something I'm going to have to go purchase and read for myself. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it, and I I think. The title suggests something, and you know, as a reader, I'm always thinking, what would I like to ask the author? He says, my search for the, the subtitle is my search for the real Pope Francis. And I would contend when you use the word real, it implies that maybe there's, you know, what we see is not what we get. Yes, right? And I I would say, why is that necessary? Because I, I, I actually think that's part of Pope Francis's appeal is that he is so authentic there there probably is and i'm not done with the book yet there is little difference between who we see now as pope francis versus this man jorge mario bergoglio so maybe that'll be by the conclusion and it won't be a necessary question for the author 
But I, I am struck, you know, as we think about events in this last week, it's not just our country that's divided, Haley. You know, even our churches and America Magazine, it's the Jesuit Weekly. It might be monthly now. I've read it for years um, as an educator. That's part of what I read just to keep up with moral issues. One of the most commonly read articles in America this year was about Pope Francis and it was entitled Pope Francis's Critics Are Dividing the Church and Families Including Mine by Mike Lewis. I read it and I, I understood um, some of the concerns that he raised. So there are people in the church that do not refer to Pope Francis by his Petrine name. They refer to him as Bergoglio. So they're not even acknowledging him as Pope, which I find divisive and problematic. And so it's a reminder that our country's divided, but our church is divided. And it's, you know, that word fracture is painful. And um, that's a hard, you know, that, that requires healing, whether it's in our country, our church, families, whatnot. So it was just a reminder of putting, you know, events into perspective as I heard about Washington and then I read, you know, about this popular article for the year. Well, and and so many of our families are, are divided too. Um, it's it it's just a divisive time and you know i i was reminded of this this past weekend we had a another couple over just for a drink to catch up and say hi and you know toast happy new year and and they're very different from us politically um and we had a conversation for over an hour about the the week's events and politics and it was really you know it was really interesting to me to bite my tongue at times, um, but to also listen and hear what they had to say. And, you know, I'm certainly not perfect. And I certainly, you know, think things I shouldn't and hear things and say things I shouldn't. But um, it, I, I was really struck and grateful for the opportunity to really talk to someone um, who thinks differently than me um, and to hear what they had to say. I think, I think, I think a listening has gone by the wayside. I don't think we're listening to each other. Um, and I think, you know, all of this divisiveness, you know, when it starts in the home and then, you know, it is our religion and we see it in our country. Uh, I do think one of the things we're missing there is the art of true listening. Um, and again, that's just, that's just more for us to, to pray for. I agree, Haley. I, I often say, you know, as a teacher, and I know parents hold this true, uh, discipline is an act of love. So when you discipline a child or a student, it's because you care. And I also think that's true for listening. And I had, you know, a conversation with my mom about that this week. It really is an act of love. Um, but I would also applaud you, I don't know if that's the word applaud, <laughs> but you know, the fact that you had the conversation and you were willing to engage, there's a lot of times, Haley, I don't share how I feel. Um, and I don't know if that's because I don't trust the person, if I don't believe that they will listen, um, if they do, how they will react. So there's something to be said for having that space. And, you know, I don't know if it's because you were having a drink, <laughs> but you know, there is something to be said for everybody kind of putting some of their thoughts on the table. I don't know how it's, it's a rare opportunity for me where I'm really sharing. I, 
I would say I sometimes listen more than share how what I believe or what I think. And it's so nice to be asked for one, but maybe I don't have the courage sometimes to share. Um, there's a lot of you know personal inventory that needs to be considered in that. So that might be something I'll think about this week. Well, it's just a hard it's just a hard time in general. And and boy, wouldn't it be great if if all of us every week and including our country could have um, you know, be rebaptized and and be washed away of our sins. And, you know, I just love that whole image of baptism. You know, of course, being a swimmer, water for me is is such a a, a, a holy place and a powerful thing for me. Um and one of the things that I've always loved in particular about baptism in the Catholic Church is, you know, again, I wasn't raised Catholic, um, but the Catholic Church recognizes all Christian baptisms. Um, so even though I was baptized Presbyterian, um, I didn't have to be rebaptized into the Catholic Church. Uh, and I've always thought that was that that in itself was a real understanding um, that the, the Catholic Church has is that a Christian baptism is is all welcoming. And I know some people don't always see the Catholic Church as, as all welcoming and accepting. But my first experience with it was just being welcomed into the Catholic Church as, as someone who had been baptized a Christian. And I was also really grateful uh, that I didn't have to be rebaptized because at the church where I went through um, RCIA, uh, they did a full immersion baptism in the fountain outside the front of the church. And yes. uh, yeah, I was I was glad that that wasn't part of, um, I don't know, you know, maybe that's probably not where yeah. my mind should have been, but I was happy I didn't have to get wet. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, hearing you talk about that, Haley, um, I, it wasn't necessarily a pilgrimage, but I was in Israel for six weeks in the summer of 2017, and we did go to the River Jordan. And yeah, Jesus would have had that full baptism in the river, right? And um, the the dove, you know, that descends on him and what a, an incredible moment. So it's a great passage to, to pray with. And um, I, there's a powerful scene in the movie Romero where the, the family wants a private baptism and Oscar Romero will not give a private baptism because the idea is that when you are baptized, you are welcomed into a community of faith. So I'm so glad to hear uh, your perspective on that um, because our Christian churches are divided. And so to know that you are already included in a, in a way, I think, I think that's highly symbolic and important. And it's a tough moment because for a lot of families, sometimes that's their re-entry point, right? They have a child, they want to raise their child in a faith. So they want a meaningful experience, but I'm just a very much a both and person. So let's welcome this child or, you know, young person into the community and how can we make it um, special and inclusive would be questions for consideration. So lots of meaning behind our baptism. Absolutely. And certainly we all heard about um, you know, celebrating the Lord's baptism this week as as we celebrated that, that at Mass on Sunday. And, you know, moving into the, the spiritual stew, mine actually doesn't come from uh, a gospel or a reading this week. It comes from a really special prayer that was said um, this past week. So I had the great privilege of... Um, giving a talk in person this week. So I, I speak, well, during, during, over the past several months, I haven't been doing it as much as I normally do, but, and most of them have been online or over Zoom, but 
I was asked to speak to a women's group at our church, our parish uh, last week, and it was in person. There was about 70 women who did attend online. It was it was live streamed and we can post that recording in our in our show notes. But there was about 20 or 30. 30, probably 20 women who were in the sanctuary of our church. So all very spaced out, you know, plenty of room there to be socially distanced. But I was so happy and so excited to be able to speak in person. That to me was really meaningful. But the most meaningful part of the evening for me was the closing prayer. Uh, So the woman who invited me to speak, she introduced me. Um, It was a, a brief introduction, which was great. And then I spoke for about an hour. And then She stood up to give the closing prayer and she had taken notes during my my presentation and her prayer was a a compilation of her notes that she had taken and she wove probably 10 to 12 messages from my presentation into her closing prayer. And it was, first of all, as a speaker, and you know this too, as a teacher, Anne, at the very basic level, it, you're always so filled with joy and appreciation when you just know somebody listened to you. Um, yeah. So it, first off the bat, she really listened to what I had to say, and that was just amazing. But the fact that she took my message, that she received my messages and then took what I had said and used those words into this really um, meaningful closing prayer was was just awesome. Uh, it's it's probably one of the the neatest prayers that I've had the privilege of hearing. So that to me was amazing. So I thank her for that prayer. Uh, I also we also heard today um, or this week during mass um, talking about the Lord's baptism. The, the words I understand, and you know, certainly was Jesus was baptized and became human. Uh, he was coming so that he could understand, you know, us as us as humans and what what that meant, what it meant to be, what it means to be fully human. Um, but for me, those words I understand are words that I speak all the time. Um, you know, that is there are two things that I say that are so powerful when spoken truthfully. One is I'll pray for you. Uh, there's such power in those words when you know when someone says that that they actually are praying for you. And the other the other phrase is I understand. You know the words I understand are so powerful when spoken truthfully. And uh, you know I've seen that over the past couple of weeks too. I shared last week how there was a young girl who had scoliosis surgery and we prayed to St. Gemma together before she went into surgery. And I've been in touch with her and her mom as she's recovering. Um, this past week. And, you know, a lot of what the mom is sharing with me is how grateful she is that her daughter has someone who understands, you know, I certainly a hundred percent understand what her daughter's going through and she's really struggling because she doesn't. And her daughter is saying to her, mom, you just don't understand. And, and, and the mom knows she doesn't understand. And, you know, so she's certainly filled with gratitude that there is someone who understands, but that level of understanding what someone else is going through is so powerful. And it, it, it even speaks back to, you know, the book you were talking about, and, you know, Mark Shriver, really understanding when you walk in someone else's footsteps, what that's like. So my spiritual stew this week is, is that level of understanding. Um, and then the gratitude of, of knowing that someone understood what I said and, and incorporated that into a prayer. You know, Haley, just hearing you speak, there was a time in my life where I really stopped saying, I will pray for you. And I I wrote an article about it um, because I just, it wasn't true. I just, I, for some reason, you know, and I think this is part of 
a life of faith is that you will go through times where it's not easy to pray for somebody or you don't feel like it's authentic. And there was a shift. There was something that happened that, that shifted, but it was meaningful to think about that. Like, like you said, if they, if it's sincere, those can be very powerful words. And so I think I did kind of an internal audit. Like there was a time where it wasn't sincere. So I, I did refrain from saying it and I actually felt a void. You know, for me not to say that to somebody was a loss, but it was, again, that was where I was at. And then when I was able to return to it, just what those words meant. And the second, you know, your phrase, I understand, that's probably my favorite part when you gave the commencement address at Notre Dame, when you told the, the graduating class, you know, you understood what it was like to lose a classmate. For them, it was Declan Sullivan. For you, it was your teammates. I thought that was so powerful. And those words really can be so meaningful. And I also think like there, there's times where we don't understand and we 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 shouldn't say it or what do you what do you do if you can't say I understand? Because I don't understand necessarily what somebody might be going through and I don't want to or my experience might be different. So I don't I don't want to like say it. And um and I think at that point, it's very easy. It, it's very real and very honest and very appropriate to say, gosh, I don't understand what you're going through. Um, you know, I always love to use the example of, you know, when I was in the hospital in South Bend and I was, you know, not able to walk yet and still still dealing with paralysis and not able to be on campus and be with my friends and uh, someone I had gone to high school with um, you know, sent a note and wrote a letter and said, oh, well, I, I understand how you feel because I have the chicken pox and I can't leave my dorm room and go be with my friends at my fraternity house. And he thought he understood. Yeah, um, you yeah. know, I would argue maybe he didn't quite understand what I was going through, but he, he, he also said it honestly. He truly felt that way. Um, as the person receiving those words, um, you know they don't understand, which I, I think it's very, it's very appropriate to say, I don't know what you're going through, but I'll pray for you. Um, and those words we can always say honestly. Um, you know, those, those aren't for us to judge um, because we can all pray, um, but we can't all always understand. And, and that's okay. Um, you know, I always say, for you to, for you collectively, not just you, but anyone listening, you know, for someone to understand what I went through or what I experienced means they would have had to experience it too. And, and so in that sense, I'm very grateful when someone doesn't understand, um, or that as well. Um, so it's okay to not understand, um, in many times. Yes. Well, and we've talked quite a bit in the show about snark. I love that you make it a noun, (laughs) snarky (laughs) remarks. One of my favorite uh, writers, and he's great on social media, James, Jim Martin, Jesuit. He talks about no snarky comments. He uses that word all the time. So every time you mention it, I think of him. But in myself, I can get a little snarky when I'm the arbiter of you understand and you do not. And I place myself in that kind of arbiter judgment position. It's not a good position to be. So thank you for helping us navigate that. You know, I understand, or I can only imagine, right. Or I don't understand, um, you know, that those are affirming words. So thank you for that guidance. Um, my piece of the spiritual stew is taken from the book. It's a story that, um, Pope Francis shares, um, in 2015, he declared a jubilee, an extraordinary jubilee year of mercy 
a jubilee year occurs every 25 years but he decided to use a theme um, because he can <laughs> that's part of being the holy father and the emphasis was on mercy and i love it because and i think it relates to baptism but um mercy is just it's not sometimes these big moments and for many times like you know when my niece was baptized i thought it was this huge moment that it occurred and it's like okay that was really special but it's it's part of the entire picture of her life right and how we treat people and in, in moments of mercy they don't have to be big they can be the entire you know story of our lives so he was the rector at this college and this is the story that is included he wrote it um, in a book and he says i remember a mother with young children whose husband had left her she did not have a steady job and only managed to find temporary jobs a couple of months out of the year when there was no work she had to prostitute herself to provide her children with food she was humble she came to the parish church and we tried to help her with caritas our charity i remember one day it was during the christmas holidays she came with her children to the college and asked for me they called me and i went to greet her she had come to thank me i thought it was for the package of food from caritas that we had sent to her did you receive it i asked yes yes thank you for that too but i came here today to thank you because you never stopped calling me senora and that story is exactly how i want to think of mercy the fact that you know Pope Francis knew who this woman was, what she was about, her struggles and choices that she made, but he never stopped the, you know, affirming her with the dignity of this title, whether or not it's deserved or not, right? The fact that she's a human being, he was going to affirm her. And I, I find that to be mercy. It's that simple act of acknowledging a person for their humanity and respecting them and for what they can be. And that's part of baptism is that, through the sacrament, we can be cleansed of our sins and right, we can be reaffirmed. And it's not, even though it is a singular moment in our lives, it's an ongoing um, part of being a Christian is that we can be renewed, we can be baptized. Well, and I think so many times we, and others, especially, you know, with everything going on, we, we forget that we are all sinners and, um, you know, there's so much judgment that takes place and I certainly judge and try to catch myself and stop doing it. But, um, you know, the, the, it, it's so, it's amazing. It's wonderful to have those examples of, of true mercy, of true acceptance, of true understanding that, that we are all made in God's image. Um, you know, and we are all worthy of not only his love, but his respect and, and that mercy and, and forgiveness of knowing that, you know, what, God knows what's truly in our heart. Yes. So for our melting pot, kind of our takeaways, those are some good, some good pieces of meat to chew on, I think. Those are some hefty ones. Our, yeah. yeah, I know. Uh, our sinfulness, oh, uh, the snark that creeps up, all of it. Yeah. Uh, I am going back to work, so I haven't told people that um, that often because we had an extra week of, of vacation, which was such a gift. Uh, this semester, I will be teaching moral issues. In the fall, I taught sports and spirituality, but not to worry, there's always tons of sports, even in a moral issues class. And this week, I will be presenting the students, though I'll include both of these articles in our show notes. The first one is, who should get the COVID vaccine first? Our answer must not neglect the poor and marginalized. So kind of looking at um, the distribution of this vaccine and 
when I decided to teach this article, I thought, you know, we've, there's so much talk right now about how we're not getting the vaccine out to people. And granted, it's very frustrating, but I don't want us to lose sight of the fact we have the vaccine and we, we are getting it into the hands of people. And I know, again, it's not as quickly as we would like, but thanks be to God that we have a vaccine and different parts of the world are using different ones. And we are, you know, this is a collaborative effort and we have to stay positive and hopeful in that. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's a great reminder of two things. One, um, from a scientific standpoint, this is actually extraordinarily fast um, to have a vaccine come to market. So while it may be very slow and frustrating for some people that it's not being rolled out that way, um, scientifically, um, while it's very safe, um, th- this is extraordinarily quick. But it also is a great reminder, as I was listening to you talking, of uh, the fact that our timeline is not always God's timeline. And um, we have to trust that he knows what he's doing uh, or that God knows what is is needs to be done. And we just have to trust the timeline. Um, I am very guilty of that. I like things when I want them. Um, but I, I, so that is one of my takeaways is, is to trust that my timeline doesn't always work. And, you know, that's an, a great conversation because you know, one of the important parts in ethics is science and religion, right? And how, um, you know, a scientist might hear that or like a legis- you know, a legislator might hear that and be like, well, this timeline is about human choices and, right? and that's what ethics is about. So like this part of the article says, our answer must not neglect the poor and marginalized. That is mercy right there. So does that mean that prisoners get the vaccine? Does that mean homeless folks get the vaccine and when? These are important questions. So I'm excited to have those, uh, that discussion with young people. And uh, you know, one thing I always do just to have fun at the beginning of class is I, I, I begin with a kind of a harmless question because you, know, you might have strong opinions on some of that and we have different perspectives. But one question I had for my students in December was Hawaiian pizza, yes or no? You should have seen the reactions. <laughs> oh my gosh, I, I thought that was a no brainer. It's so good, come on. Um, pineapple on your pizza, that's but, exactly why people hate it. But I was gonna say that's also a very divisive question as well. <laughs> A house divided, pineapple, Hawaiian, yes or no. Or um, this week I had an event that I think will uh, resonate, or maybe not, because I don't. I would dare find a listener who spent more time in the dental chair than me. So if you have not spent time in the dental chair, this might not resonate with you. But I get my teeth cleaned four times a year. So I thought, wow, I feel like I was just at the dentist but it's time for another cleaning. That's every three months. And I go in and I'm called in and I sit down in the chair and the woman that calls me in, I was like, oh, Fadwa, what are we doing today? Cause I, she doesn't clean my teeth. She's the assistant to the dentist. She's like, well, we're getting a crown. And I thought, oh, that's right. And she's like, do you, are you okay with this? Like, are we ready? And I said, you know, it's fine. Let's just do it. And it prompted the question, is it better to know or not know? So I've had several crowns at this point. If I know before I'm going in for the crown, uh, there's a certain amount of anxiety, anticipation of what they're going to do. Cause like I break it down in my head. This is what they're doing to my tooth. This is what my gum line will feel like. I have to say I, for myself, and it might not be for everybody. I am better in the, I don't want to know camp 
this was an accident, so I probably will know in the future, but it, it certainly took away some of the anxiety. Oh, for sure. And actually, that'll be a fun question to see for people to respond to. Um, I, in my house, I have some want to knows and some don't want to knows. Um, so yeah, that is, that is a good one. And, and that people have very strong opinions about that as well. <laughs> you know, and I'll ask my students like, you know, some, um, I'll be getting the vaccine, hopefully second tier as a teacher. Do you, do you watch the needle? Like, do you, do you want to know? I always look away. I don't want to know. That seems like a smaller group of people that, you know, then there's no surprise of like when it's going in, you know, but do oh, you want no, I am definitely a no needles person. Um, it may be surprising to, to people who know my medical background or history. Most people, if you know me, know it's pretty comprehensive. Um, but boy, needles make me very faint feeling. Um, and I've been, yeah, so I don't, I do not like the needles. Um, so I will not be watching. (laughs) I will get the vaccine, but I will not watch it go in. Right. Agreed. So I think there's so much to think about this year and, and there's this week. And I think one of the most important things we can take away is, is to really walk away with a, an understanding that we can listen to one another and that we are all sinners. Um, and one, we are not always all right and we are not always all wrong. And, um, you know, it, hopefully we can, we can all be healed moving forward. And I, you know, listening is a part of that prayer is a part of that and understanding is a part of that. And I think, um, you know, the, the readings this week and the prayers and the books that we've all talked about, um, can be a real model for that for us as we, we move forward through the week. Yeah. Thank you, Haley. I, um, I love the word healing and I think about, you know, events and the word that stuck out to me was fracture. And, you know, um, I think last night was probably the quarterback for the Washington football team, Alex Smith. He'll probably retire. Talk about a fracture. This man had his leg just completely fractured and infected and the healing that was necessary um, and the story behind the healing and wow, the people that supported him and what he got. But um, yes, in light of fracture that we live amongst, what might be, what might provide healing? I I think you're right when you say uh, listening and um, that we'll pray for each other. So thank you for offering those words. Absolutely. So we'll take away prayer this week. We'll take away listening. We'll take away understanding. And we look forward to speaking and talking and sharing with everyone next week as well. Have a great week, Anne. You too, Haley. Thank you.